0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I see the back row, folks. Yeah. I see that. Wait. wait. Oh, like, wait a second. He, <laughs> he bailed. The like, rapture happened. We were all left behind. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Joel. That would have been great. <laughs> I mean, <not> for you. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. you. <laughs> he didn't mean it. It was a joke. How are we doing? I'm great. You weren't asking me, though. Yeah, I think like there are like eight people right here that are yeah, awesome. Right there, and everybody, Got a thumbs else is, up? Yeah. everybody else is waiting to see. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we are glad you're here. I, I'm Vic, this is Chris, this is Joel. Uh, and Hello. yes, all three of us will be uh, not at the exact yeah. same time, not talking. like in harmony. Sometimes, yeah. every now and then, we'll be talking over each other. But we. this is how we work through books of the Bible most weeks uh, with a team. Um, and uh, we are in 1 Corinthians. And we are, uh, we're gonna try something the next couple of weeks that uh, it may be a horrible experiment. But this is going to be a, uh, basically a two part sermon. Mm. So we're gonna cover eight, nine, and 10. Yes, I said yeah. that. It's because it's one big unit, right? And uh, I, I wanna take a minute as we get started. To kind of show you that and then um, get us in the text as quick as possible. Because uh, did I mention 8, 9, and 10?
1: And you guys know like the chapters, I mean, Paul didn't write like 8, 9, and 10 when he wrote mm-hmm. them. Just making sure we're on the same page about mm-hmm. that. Like those that were kind
0: of added later. So it's, you know, That like, is correct. Yeah. So wh- what's going on in Corinth is they have uh, somehow communicated to Paul some issues that they want some answers to. hmm Right, so they've either written him a letter, or he's gotten word somehow. And in First Corinthians, he's addressing those problems. And here's how you know that um, he's answering those questions. So, if you look at where we were last week um, with the sexual immorality, if you just go back to seven, chapter seven, he says, "Now concerning the matters about." So, anytime he starts "now concerning," he's answering a question. Right? And so you know that section goes all the way until uh, he gets to verse 25 of seven. Now concerning. So he's changing topics and answering a different question. So when you get to eight, now concerning food offered to idols, which we, we, we've been waiting for this one. Yeah. Right? Uh, and so you don't get another now concerning until chapter 11, verse 2. Right. So eight, nine and ten are are kind of dealing with the same issue. But there's a ton of stuff in there. So we're going to we're going to try to cover it over the next couple of weeks in a way that brings some unity to that issue of food offered to idols and. um, Hopefully some clarity, Uh, but I want to start, oddly enough, by going uh, back um, to chapter six. Okay uh, Yeah, I know it makes perfect sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, really, one of the major themes that's, that's coming out in First Corinthians is this idea of freedom. Uh-huh. We, we talked about that a lot last week. And it's going to carry through uh, these three chapters and on into uh, the discussion on spiritual gifts. And, and really, it's the issue that seems to be underlying a lot of the problems inside the church of Corinth. And so when Paul, who is the apostle of freedom... He, nobody talked about freedom more than him. In chapter 6, if you'll remember this last week, I want you to see this. So in chapter 6, verse 12, when Paul says this phrase, All things are lawful for me. What, what he's saying there is, I'm I'm free. I have the freedom to do these things, but not all things are helpful,
2: right? And the, all things are lawful is like an expression that, that
0: Corinth, the Corinthians would have used. That's a good yeah, point. Yeah, that
2: he's probably repeating that yeah. has been used in the church already.
0: And, and kind of so like,
2: I do what I want. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. do what I want to. Yeah, kind of and
0: thing. Paul says, well, you're right. You have the freedom, but it may not be helpful. And then he says a second time in chapter six, all things are lawful for me. But I will not be enslaved. Like you may have the freedom to do it, but it can enslave you. Mm-hmm. All right? So that's that's one aspect of freedom. Now jump over to chapter ten. I want you to see this. So
2: yours says enslaved. Enslaved. My my text says dominated. Dominated. I mean, yeah. The word means to be overpowered, to be like taken as a slave. Right, right, yes. So Which
0: it, is interesting because of the slavery, the The redemption language that he uses later. So in chapter 10, verse 23, I want you to see it again. (coughs) Chapter 10, verse 23, when you got it, say, I got it. I got it. That's four of you. Let's go. Come on, I'm in a good mood tonight. If you got it, say, I got it. I got it. There we go. Now we're here. Okay. Chapter 10, verse 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Says it again. Mm -hmm. Right? In the context of this whole food offered to idols thing. Then, for the second time, all things are lawful, but he changes it. Mm -hmm. But not all things build up. Mm. All right, so I I want you to hear this. There's there's a way you can use your freedom that can enslave you. Right? That's what he meant when he says, I will not be... uh, Enslaved, dominated. Mm -hmm. So when he when he says all things are helpful, you have the freedom, but you can't. There is a way to use your freedom that enslaves you. Mm -hmm. There's also a way to use your freedom that enslaves other people. Look at the language on six twelve. Even he says all things are
2: lawful for me. Yeah. And then he repeats that phrase again. All things are lawful for me. Now, when you get to ten twenty three, it's all things are lawful. So he doesn't include that for me. So there's a switch from. Uh, the focus on himself to the focus on others, clearly.
0: And, and so uh, I, I want to give you one more sentence, and then I'm going to let these guys talk some. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> wow. Uh-huh. A, li- a little more than that. <laughs> okay, so uh, I, I think I ripped this off from Warren Wearsby. But this idea of, um, like people say, well, I, I don't want to give up my freedom. Wearsby helped me this week with that. He said, you don't have the right to give up your freedom because that was purchased for you by Jesus. You you can't give that up. Hmm. But you do have the freedom to give up your rights. That's like a tattoo. That's That's good. That's That's a coffee mug right there waiting to happen. All right, let me say it again. You don't have the right to give up your freedom because Christ has purchased your freedom. But you do have the freedom now to give up your rights. And that's really what we're going to be talking about tonight and next week as we work through this this whole idea of food offered to idols. So, uh, Joel, what about food offered to idols? When's the last time you ate food offered to an idol?
2: Yeah, that's the thing that's hard about this text is we're talking about a subject that, in our context, is like, what do we do with this? You know, like, uh, I mean, we're not walking around and seeing people offer food to idols, offer incense to idols, offer whatever to idols. Uh, but that's not true um, in the rest of the world. This text still plays a part in the rest of the world. There's there's plenty of settings in which that this very thing is still happening and uh, in which this letter would speak directly to them. Uh, but today, I think there's some ideas we can take from this text of what he's presenting and bring it into our context and, and that there's some principles that you're going to get from what Paul is saying that apply to us.
1: Yeah. And you know, that's really an, an important point and this was brought to my attention recently when I was trying to just it was not in this text, it was something completely different but I was trying to discern like why is this in the Bible? Because mm-hmm. it was something that just didn't it didn't make sense. It seemed completely unnecessary, unhelpful to me. And that's the key part, right, to me. Yes. And I was looking up, I think I, I looked up uh, maybe and asked Pastor John about that text. And one of the points he made, he said, it may not be for you, uh, but there may be a tribe somewhere in Papua New Guinea. There may uh, maybe yeah, a people good. group where this text is going to be the difference between them like getting it or not getting it. He gave the example of a tribe somewhere where like the genealogy was it for them. Yeah. Like, the genealogy showing the humanity of Christ and the deity of Christ, like, that was the, 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 the thing that clicked, you mm-hmm. know? And so just realizing, guys, that not to be so geocentric, ethnocentric, yeah. whatever-centric when yeah. we're reading the Bible and say, oh, this, I don't see why food offered aisles is that helpful to me. Like, this may be the game changer for a people group that hasn't even heard this yet, you know? So just put that out there to start yeah. with. But there
2: is, there is a lot here. But that's also so important, I think, to remember. One of the funny stories just brought back from Asia last year when we were over there was... Uh, we saw this man come to Christ and um, and believe in Jesus. And one of the first questions out of his mu- out of his mouth, like he says, "Yes, I accept this Jesus. I'm going to follow Him. I believe in Him. I believe these stories." He said, "Now, do I need to make an idol for this Jesus? Like, should I go make and set up an idol for Him?" Wow. Mm. It's, it's so in his context as a Hindu, it was like, "Okay, now how does this make sense?" So. You could read this chapter in those new churches that are popping up in the area in which we're working, and and it's going to like really like uh, apply to, to their lives.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. And so all right. So let's let's jump in here. Yeah. Uh, chapter eight, uh, verse one. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not. Yet know as he ought to know, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. So you notice
1: right there. <laughs> I mean, this is another one of those places where you see Paul making this comparison that you would, that is not what you would automatically think, right? because like, what does he do here? He, he says, um, "If anyone imagines that he knows something, he doesn't yet know, but if anyone loves God, so like imagining you know something is is contrasted against loving God, right? Yeah. Like it's it's an interesting thing. But what's look at what's happening here. I mean, he's, again, what what does he say? He says, knowledge puffs. Up, okay, and that doesn't mean like pretend to be dumb or don't learn things. You're all at University of Georgia, you're learning things. It's okay to be smart, to learn stuff. So There's not what he's talking about here, but this thinking you know something, this idea of just arrogance, right? Which yeah. I, I was looking up references to arrogance in scripture and just seeing what does God think about the arrogant. And the first one that popped up mm-hmm. was not a like, big fan. It's an abomination, which yeah. is just a fun word because you think snowman, <laughs> the abominable snowman, and then arrogant people, right? It's just, it's an abomination to God. Um, All I could think about was my son. I have a nine-year-old who thinks he knows. He'll tell me, like after a math class, Papa, I know everything about math. Yeah, like he he said that. He said that to me. (laughs) I know he's not, but we do the same thing. (laughs) Like we think we think we know, and this arrogance is shown as this opposite to loving God. Right? Is this pretty much saying to God, like, yeah, I don't actually need you because I I got this. I can understand this. So, Mm -hmm. so see that before he even dives into answering, he gives this big warning. Right? He doesn't start with, okay, food offered to idols. Here's what you do. Here's what you don't do. He says, before we even go there, let's talk about knowledge, because it can puff up. It can be dangerous, right?
2: Is knowledge bad? Is that what he's saying? No. Would be my answer, but...
0: <laughs> no, it's Paul. It, no. Right? If you read Paul... When does it go bad? It
2: goes bad when it's, about when
0: it's used without love. Yep. Right? You can... You can um, there are really arrogant, um, unloving people that are very smart. And you probably right now have a top three list in your head. Uh, I know I do. Um, <laughs> and I'm if one of them is them. sitting near you, like, don't look at them <laughs> I, right now. Is, in this is, I'm praying for you all right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but what Paul is saying is look, is, look at it. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up and and this whole idea of building up others is going to come back over and over again it's the primary reason we've been given freedom for the good of other people but that'll come up again so when you when you use your knowledge yeah. through the lens of love it's a good thing yeah right think think where we would be without knowledge it'd be a pretty miserable place and it like Paul, one of the smartest dudes who's ever lived, like the way this guy uses logic and language and argues, he's brilliant. So he's not saying knowledge is bad. Knowledge used with, without the lens of love is, can, can be... Um, I had a clever way of saying it this week, and it totally escaped me. Well, it has to be directed by love. Yeah. And
2: I, I might remember what you said, because when you use uh, your knowledge without love... It, it becomes a weapon. That's it. it you weaponize it, like, right? I couldn't <laughs> remember it. <laughs> That's <laughs> why you have three of us up here. Yes. Yeah. I'm old. One brain. <laughs> no, well, it, it stuck out to me. I remembered it. Um, because, you, you know, that this is so prevalent right now that, like, w- what's happening right now is we're headed into an election. One side against the other side is weaponizing the knowledge that they have yeah. against the other. Man. And if... It, what he's going to... What he's saying in this section is um, you can't argue someone out of a certain position. You need to love them instead of argue with them.
0: Yeah, no one ever came to Christ because you want an argument. I I, I mean, it just doesn't happen. You you probably made them mad. uh, But but, uh, Paul says in Romans, God's kindness leads to repentance it's so knowledge used with love is is a very good thing um it's interesting to me so when he says um i think we need to talk about what it is we know right because he Mm -hmm. says we all have this knowledge yeah so um you you guys are smart guys help us what what is it we know what is he saying we all have this knowledge
2: yeah, what he's about to say here.
0: Well, and that is. Okay,
2: here we go. Therefore, is this, the, is this where you're trying to go? That is where I'm trying to go. I'm not reading very good tonight. All right, verse 4. <laughs> Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence. So, you know, you could even underline where he says no, so you can follow along with where he's saying here's where the knowledge lies. That we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but One. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, in quotations, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through
0: whom we exist. That's what we know. Anything to add, good sir? Um...
1: So, I just think, and we, we've hit on this, but I just, just want to say it again because he's making this point so clearly, and, and this is what we're going to continue to talk about all the night. It's just this taking care, being intentional that, and I, I like this because I, I thought of two ways to say it with Fs, that your freedom doesn't become someone else's fetters. You know, you like that? Yeah, oh, old English a, word there. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful word. But, but here, because again, because he's, he's saying, I yeah, we all that. have this knowledge but he does say but not everyone does right not all possess this knowledge some through this former association with idols eat food is really offered to an idol their conscience uh, being weak is defiled you know so then in verse 9 this is where I'm coming from but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block Mm. to the weak so I mean this this requires intentionality this is a statement of like like do something here do something intentional to think that you have to look at others and, I mean, how ridiculous is can we just say, how ridiculous is it to be arrogant about anything that we know? Like, any knowledge you have, what did Paul say earlier? We talked about this a few weeks ago. What do you have that you did not receive, mm-hmm. right? Like, what what knowledge, anything you have, you have because the Holy Spirit opened your eyes. Otherwise, you're blind. So, anything you know, any any knowledge that, like, oh, idols are nothing, like, you can eat food. To be arrogant about that is is ridiculous. And, of course, it's not loving. But you, you think, I mean, we can... Imagine again the guy in the Christian circle who all of a sudden is awakened to, um, I don't know, like maybe some more reformed thinking or some, some freedom in the – and he's arrogant about it. Yeah. And then looking down on people who haven't – who aren't spiritually woke yet or whatever, who haven't like <laughs> picked up on that, you know, like just, just to see the ridiculousness and to have that kind of humble perspective of not thinking that we know everything but having the others focus to take care, take care – that doesn't become a stumbling block to the weak. I don't know, that's that's the only thing really I wanted to just really focus on again and again is this
2: others, others focus, taking care, being intentional. Yeah, so verse seven, he says, however, not all possess this knowledge. So, you know, you're dealing with a, a brand new church. You're dealing with a culture that was not steeped in the Jewish tradition. So you're you're having people come to Christ and know Jesus who are like, don't have, I mean, you know, it'd be like, you know, you guys in here who've grown up in church, if you've ever had a friend who's come to to know Jesus and follow Jesus who has not grown up in church, you've gotten to like witness this like, oh yeah, like you you don't know the story of Noah, do you? (laughs) It's always fun like telling stories like that to people who are just brand new to the Bible. So there's things that like you would think this is easy, like we should know this. And, and the same for them. They're like, well, who would, who would think that this was a real idol? Who would think that, you know, it would make a difference if you, like, ate this meat from this idol? Because we, that, that thing's not real. It's a piece of wood. Um, but for the people who were um, ingrained in that, and that was their life, right? I mean, that, that that's another part we have to get our minds around, like, in their context. That, like, uh, this wasn't like, oh, I'll go over here and you know, worship this idol every so often, like their life is ingrained in this. This is their culture. This is their families, what their family does and everything. So he's saying that you're going to have, you have a, a stronger, more mature believer, and you have a weaker, less mature believer. And now let's talk about how these two people interact.
0: So it, it, uh, if you take your, your friend in Nepal. Yeah. If he, um, and I don't know if they had temples there for their gods, but mm-hmm. let's just assume. Yeah. They did. And that they have these, uh, so what's going on in Corinth, they literally have temples and they would have a priest to, let, let's, we'll, we'll use Zeus. Uh, why not? And so they would have a, a priest that would make a sacrifice to Zeus and they would have a, basically a <coughs> meal in the temple, right? Right. And they wouldn't use all the meat, but sometimes they would eat a meal in the temple in honor of Zeus, and whatever was left over would go into the market, and you could buy it. Like, you could just, you could go up to, like, Zeus leftovers and buy a pound of whatever they had, right? And so if somebody doesn't understand that, well, that, that idol doesn't have, that's just nothing, Right? They still have very strong connections mm-hmm. to, the, to this is offered to a God, right? And so you walking up to the market and buying that, they don't, they don't have a box for it, mm-hmm. right? And so what Paul is saying is, just don't need it.
1: And like really, again, you, was it the Wearsby quote? Was it Wearsby you, you stole from? Yeah, yeah. This, that you don't have the right to give up your freedom, but you have the freedom to give up your right. I think that could be really a summary statement for chapter 8. We, just, we, we, are, we are free to give up our rights, we've got to stop thinking of ourselves. And this is hard for Americans, American Christians, because well, we're, yeah, it's America, we're, we're we're <laughs> whatever. But we got to stop thinking of ourselves as individuals, yeah. like, yeah. and only making decisions based on our own personal convictions, right? Like, oh, this is okay for me, so I'm going to do it no matter what. Like, we are part of a body, guys. We're part of the body of Christ. We're responsible for one another, and our actions affect other parts of the body. So the questions we should be asking is, like, How can I best exercise my freedom for the good of all? Like freedom, again, doesn't have to mean and usually (laughs) doesn't mean getting to do the thing that I want to do that maybe I wasn't once able to do. That doesn't have to be freedom. Sometimes it is. But freedom can also mean freedom to abstain from that, right? Not because of laws, but because of love. Like since when has Christianity been about you? Like, maybe some bestsellers from Osteen and maybe the Christian radio station have convinced you that, like, it's about you and all the songs about you and how you feel and how to have your best life. But, like, that's not Christian. That's not what it's about. Like, have you you read Philippians 2? Like, seriously? Any, have you? Like, have you read Philippians 2? Like, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, then complete my joy by having the same love, being know the same mind, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but everything consider each other more sedentary than yourselves. Like, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, he was God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, being found in human form, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Like, have that mind among yourselves that Jesus had, which is yours. That looks to others and thinks about others and has an others focus, right? I mean, and Paul even goes to the extreme here and says he would be a vegan if he had to. Did you see that?
0: And we know that's not a Listen,
1: Paul's a good Jewish boy, which means he just discovered bacon like two weeks ago. Yes. Right? Preach. And then he's like, I would give up bacon if it would help my brother not stumble. So have that mind among yourselves.
2: That's just chapter 8. eight. Uh, that just hit that's hard. That's chapter summary, 8. That, that hit he, hard Would right you? There. <laughs> <laughs> would I give a bacon? He would give no. a bacon. Would you? No.
1: That's your application. That's, that's going to be our It's point.
2: It's at the end. Lay your bacon down. I need everyone up here now. We're going to lay down. Okay. <laughs>
1: I don't know where we go <laughs> after that. Bring your bacon to the stage. We can start in chapter 9. I mean, I, just, I think it just. <laughs> you
2: know that uh, 16 million people in America, according to some study I read, uh, believe that chocolate milk comes from brown cows. It <laughs> doesn't? That's, that's what they said. I, and
0: that's I, fantastic. There's a reason I'm bringing this up. I was up. about to say <laughs> I'm waiting for the segue. I'm there's an amazing in
1: segue in coming. I'm so um, excited. That, did
0: anyone, wait, does anyone out here think chocolate milk comes from brown cows? Like, no I, one's raising their I, I, I did until you. For a moment, I thought it might. <laughs> this is picking up my pen.
2: But uh, please. Even when someone is wrong in their belief, even when someone has the wrong set of beliefs, there's nowhere in here that, that Paul says, okay, great. Your your job now is to argue with them until they get it right. Um, oh, so so he instead, here's how we're to look at them. I want to I just dig a little deeper here. Look a little more closely. Make sure you guys see this. In, in uh, verse 11, it says, and so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed and look look how this person is described the brother for whom Christ died Hmm. thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak you you sin against Christ so the issue here that that probably um we miss a good deal is when we think oh it's it's not that big of a deal to argue right now with this brother or sister in Christ that I have. You know, like they're wrong on this issue. I know they're wrong. And and it's not that big a deal for me to to go against them or to or or in this particular uh setting, what he's saying here, to to maybe lead them into an area that's that's gonna cause them to stumble when he is he puts it in the starkest terms possible that yeah. like this is First of all, we need to see them correctly, that this is someone who Christ died for. Mm. And if you guys remember, when we were in chapter 6, it says that we're temples of the Holy Spirit. So there's no temple of the Holy Spirit that's unimportant. Here's here's our brother, our sister in Christ, who Christ died for, and we have the opportunity this obligation to them because they could literally be destroyed and not only that but when we sin against them we're sinning against christ Hmm. so let's let's frame it in the these terms that that paul does yeah and
0: ultimately if you win the argument so what so what you're puffed up yeah Good for you, chapter 9. Chapter 9. So here I he rolls into. We're actually in chapter 9. Yeah, we're doing it. We're <laughs> gonna excited.
1: go. He really he starts rolling into all these kind of rhetorical question arguments, uh, kind of to, to make a point. Coming out, of, it's in the same context, right, of, uh, of the food offered to idols, but uh, more about this idea of, of our rights, you know. And, and I'm not gonna read all of it, but he's just like, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Can I not have a wife? Can I not take money for what I do? Um, can I not do all of these things? Don't I have. These rights. Like, isn't it okay that if we do this uh, work that we can reap material things from it? And if, uh, just to drive the point home,
0: Paul uses 12 illustrations in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? 12 examples of if somebody does this, they get this. Mm-hmm. It, Paul is driving home the point with a sledgehammer yeah. right here. He's like, I could totally <laughs> and yes, be completely am, justified. I am, like, I love how he starts, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have, look, I have seen Jesus. Mm, yeah. Right? Like, that's enough there. <laughs> yeah. But he keeps
1: going. He keeps going. All to the point of saying in verse 12, nevertheless. So I, he, he like lays this huge foundation of like, listen, if like whatever you want to throw up against me, I have the right to do this thing. But nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. But we endure anything rather than, hear this, put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. So this is one of those situations where you just you have to start with the why because the why matters so much. Mm-hmm. Because here and elsewhere Paul is asking us to join with him in some of the things he's abstaining from, some of the choices he's making, right? I mean, later, I guess it's verse 1 of chapter 11, um, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Like he's saying, right. I'm doing this and you should too. Right. And so if we're going to buy into that, then we have to know, okay, why? Why is he doing this? And he starts to establish it here by saying right there, um, so that I don't put an obstacle in the way of the gospel. Like all of this is for that Later, he'll talk at length, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. About if we get there, about becoming a Jew to the Jews, a Gentile to the Gentiles, to win some, save some, right? Like he has a he knows what he's doing and why. And again, this is freedom. We keep going back to this. It probably sounds like we're like saying the same thing because we are. But also because Paul keeps saying kind of the same yeah. thing. Like knowing what you live for is freedom. Think about that kind of existential question that everyone kind of comes to college or maybe even out of college is still asking. Like why am I here? Like what, what am I here for? What is life about, right? Like what is my purpose? Like, so see, see the freedom in knowing why you're here. Knowing what your life is for. Knowing what gives you purpose. And actually b- making every decision based on that. Like when it comes to these questions of, for here it was eating food offered to idols or taking a, a wife or getting paid for your work, those are the examples. But like for any decision in your life, you can base it on this knowing why you're here and having complete freedom to not have to wonder. It's like, oh, I'm here for this, for the advancement of the gospel, right? And if you see this, then like, here's the other thing. Every decision matters. Every decision is actually kind of important. Like, from what kind of meat you eat to what you do for a living to who you marry to how, you're, how you spend your free time. Like, all of it matters and can have real eternal gospel purpose. And then when you, like, start living that way and see every aspect of your life that way, then I believe Paul is
0: saying you're actually free. And if you remember when we started, that Paul, one of Paul's primary arguments early on is that the central message that he has is the gospel. Mm-hmm. Remember in chapter 2, when I came to you, I decided mm-hmm. to know nothing yeah. but Christ and Christ crucified. And so, from that point on, Paul begins to deal with issues in the church. And all of the issues that pop up are because people are abusing their freedom. Right? If you go back and look, I, it, this just occurred to me. The, the sexual immorality... Uh, lawsuits uh, all of that is is somebody saying well I I'm free I can do whatever I want it's an abuse of freedom and and what Paul is saying is ultimately what that will do is it will damage the gospel witness Mm -hmm. and and I I want us to like land the plane tonight right here um I, I want to I get just a quick thought from each one of you about we, when Paul says this phrase. We have not made use of this right. That, that's the right he has uh, basically to, to demand. Uh, he's talking about they're getting paid, mm-hmm. basically. But he said, I, I have not laid claim to any of that. But I, will, I would endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Why is that such a big issue for Paul, and, and what's the application point for us as we think about our freedom and how it relates to us taking the gospel to people that don't have it?
2: Chris goes first. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, I feel like I kind of just answered, but I can just reiterate, just, which yes. I'm pretty good at, just saying take the same a breath thing this time. In, in different ways. Uh,
0: fine. I'm just I, saying, I, it,
1: was a, <laughs> it was rapid. No, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> Once again. If we will just see it, like if we will see that the reason we have life, the reason you have breath, like we talked about this a few weeks ago, and because my kids ask this question a lot, Papa, like why when we say yes to Jesus do we just not get to go be in heaven with Jesus? Because that would be kind of cool and kind of would make sense if that's the point. Like if the point is for like him to find out who are his people and then they get to be with Jesus right away, like that, that makes perfect sense. The answer that I give them and I usually give it to them in a way that who knows if they really get it but whatever is that like because we have a reason for being here like God has a purpose mm-hmm. for all of you being here and not just here in this like general vague sense but here in Athens Georgia in 2020 yes even in 2020 there's a reason that you got to be here during a pandemic like God determined before the foundations of the earth that you would be adopted by his grace, that you would live where you live geographically, and when in history you live. All of that's in scripture, in, in Acts 17 and in Ephesians 1, like before the foundation of the world, where you are in time, in space, in on the earth, determined by a God with a purpose to make his glory known among the nations. That is why you are here. It's why you have breath. Yes, God loves you and has if you're a follower of his, has redeemed you and saved you for his own. But then, immediately, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You become a temple of the Holy Spirit. And then you are to go out and be a proclaimer of that gospel. Well, I guess we'll get to this next week. But when Paul starts saying, like, woe to me if I don't do that. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Like, that's what we're here for. (laughs) So the reason that Paul is making such a big deal about putting an obstacle in the way of the gospel is because, that would be putting an obstacle in the way of the reason we're here, of the purpose for our life, right? And we can get, can't we just get so distracted with other things? I, I think about it so much as like fog. This helps me to think about it this way. Like there's just so many things and they're not, usually they're not bad things. It's not like drugs and sex and alcohol that are like, that all of us are running to. It's usually just like grades and friends and a job and the American dream and stuff that, that's pretty good. But we get focused on that and this fog settles and we're like, yeah, I guess this is life. I guess this is what we're supposed to do. Get a good job, marry a good girl, live nice, raise good kids, and then go to heaven. And that's it. And then every now and then something happens that burns the fog away and you see clearly Jesus Christ. You see clearly yeah. eternity, dates of splendor. And you see clearly those who are headed for a Christless eternity in hell. And you realize... Oh, like there's something we're here for. There's a war. There's a battle. Like Elisha, when his servant got to see for just a moment the armies of fire, like spiritual armies that were there, like there's this unseen world that the Bible says is more real than what you see, right? There's a more real world that you can't see. And every now and then something burns away that fog and you see it and you're reminded that's what I'm doing and that's why I'm free to abstain from this and not do this and do that instead so I don't put an obstacle in the way of the one thing I'm here to do if I get to the end of my life and I look back and I'm like, dang it, I didn't do like the one, I had one job to do. I didn't do it. Like, I don't want to
2: end that way. So that's my answer. Amen. I don't know. A strong. Amen. I, th- I think when we run into this text, it, it should cut a little. At least it does for me because, uh, is all about this discipline thing. Mm. You know, every athlete exercises self control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. We have used our freedom to, like, really, like, what do we actually deny ourselves? Right? I mean, if, if we want to go out to eat, we want to uh, pursue this person. If we want to pursue this type of career, it's so uh, so odd to see someone actually deny themselves in some way. And so when we read Paul in these letters, we are like, what? Is deny ourselves? Exercise self-control? What, is this, what does this mean? What does this look like? And Vic turned a phrase this week that was so good. Uh, he probably stole it from Warren Wiersbe, but <laughs> I probably stole it from somebody. Yeah, nothing new under the sun. Yeah. And I, I may be stealing from you right now, but you can just reiterate no it good. again. True freedom is joyfully submitting to the rule of God. So we will be free people when we're living under the rule of God. But there's a rule there. There's a way of life in which we will, because we're still in this world, like Chris was talking about, because we're still here and there's still an enemy, we're going to have to live counterculturally. We're going to have to set some things to the side. We're going to have to say no to some things in order for what Paul says it's so worth it to do it for. And that is because that in my preaching I may present the gospel for your charge so I may not make full use of my, right, my gospel. He says I do it for the sake of the gospel that I may share it with them in his blessings. And he's, he's like this is my, my reason for doing this. This is my reward that we receive this imperishable crown. That there's something bigger out there. Yeah, I'm just kind of saying what you were saying. That's fine. I did nothing new. That that like is worth it. So let's give up our rights. Yeah. And let's love well, so that we can, like Paul say, like, look, we we've lived a life that we haven't become disqualified. We've lived a life focused on others, so that so that like we can receive this crown.
0: And ultimately. Um. That that idea, of that was after an entire day of just being locked in the office trying to figure out what Paul was saying, of basically coming out with one sentence, of um, yeah, I'm slow, Um, but that really is this idea of freedom is joyfully submitting to God and His rule, and and expressing that freedom uh, in in the uh, in the God centered service. To other people. Um, the, and, and Paul's a broken record. He's, it's all he talks about. And um, C.S. Lewis, when it, one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes. And you, like if you keep coming, you're going to hear this a lot. But C.S. Lewis once said, the, the bane of modern preaching is the fear of repetition. So we're not afraid to repeat it. So... Uh, can you say it again the bane <laughs> of modern preaching is the fear Butters. of repetition i see what you did yeah, yeah yeah i don't know if anybody else caught it it's very <laughs> clever uh but we're gonna so we we are completely out of and over time so we're, we're gonna stop somewhere in the middle of nine there and so you got to come back next week to see how it ends
1: Right, cliffhanger.
0: Uh, it'll be very similar <laughs> to this evening. Uh, let me pray for us. And um, thank you guys for giving us uh, your Sunday night. It means a lot to us. Father, thank you for um, just your word. And, uh, and, and it really is, as Joel said, it, this is, uh, there's some edges on this. It's not soft and comfortable. Uh, this ought to push into some areas in every one of our lives where we are clinging to uh, maybe winning the argument or uh, hanging on to the right uh, to do something. And the reality is, uh, Father, it may not uh, be building others up. And so, Lord, uh, I pray your Holy Spirit would do only what he can do. Bring conviction where it is needed. Bring encouragement where it is needed. Uh, And Father, more than anything, we want to be be people that uh, live for the good of others and for the glory of King Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday night.